Welcome to LeapCast. I'm your host, Dr. George James. LEAP stands for leaders, entertainers, athletes, and performers. And I'm on a journey to connect with high achievers and highlight their unexamined human moments. Tune in to learn how these high-achieving LEAP individuals were able to reach their greatest potential, face their most difficult challenges, and embrace the human moments that helped them along the way. If you want to get the episode highlights directly in your email, then head to theleapcast.com right now to subscribe. Hello, everybody. Welcome to LeapCast. I'm your host, Dr. George James, where we talk to leaders, entertainers, athletes, and performers. I am hyped. I'm excited for our guest today, Jaylene Clark Owens. She is just amazing. I heard her. I experienced her at my son and daughter's school, Averton Friends, where they did a Black Excellence Night. And that whole night was just filled with just amazing just people and experiences. And Jaylene Clark Owens was just phenomenal. I couldn't leave without saying, hey, I need to connect with you. And so just to let you know all a little bit more, she is, I might mess this up, Aduleko? Adelko. Adelko, thank you. And Barrymore Award-winning actress, acclaimed poet, and she's just amazing. Jaylene, thank you for joining me. How are you doing today? I am doing well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. And so here at Leapcast, what we do is just, we just love to be able to hear more about you and your journey and your story. And we, I like to start off with what we call the leap story. And so as early as you can go that you're willing to share, where you started to kind of see the parts of you develop, like maybe parts of you that are there now or parts of you that you were on a certain path. Or things that just shaped you early on, I would love for you to to kind of start there. Absolutely. I think for me, it started like around elementary school age, you know, outside of school, you know, I grew up as an only child. So I think that really helped to get my creativity going because you have to be creative if you don't have any to play with. Okay. Yeah. So, shout out to the only children out there. <laughs> so I, um, you know, I played with my Barbie dolls for a very long time, up to a very big age, but I had lots of characters. They had all these costumes. I would do their hair. There were all these backstories. My cousin reminded me that I used to have little index cards with like the name of the Barbie, their address, like who they were related to, who they were in a relationship with. Like, I think that <laughs> that helped me to start building my storytelling. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. First of all, I mean, the little acting I have done, I know why creating a backstory is all important, but I learned that in acting classes. <laughs> How did you know this as a child to have a whole backstory and a card and an actress? Listen, it was just God God put put that on my heart very early on. I love it. And it was great. You know, I would develop a lot of stories there. I also have always loved to like perform. So I would do like little monologues in the mirror or like when my cousin would come over, we, you know, I used to love working with a little tape recorder. My dad always had a tape recorder. And so I would do like Jaylene's talk show. That was my little intro. And I would be the host and the guest. Oh, I love it. <laughs> and I know you had characters and you probably did voices. Cool. Exactly. There's no other way. <laughs> 
<laughs> exactly. So, so my home life, I was very creative to keep myself entertained. And then in school, I always enjoyed when they would ask to do, you know, write a poem or something like that. My earliest poem I remember was in like fifth grade. They, we had to write a poem about, we were learning about Hiroshima. And so I wrote a poem called The Big Bomb and it just, you know, it was pretty emotional. And, you know, that's the earliest poem that I remember. Then I started like in eighth grade, middle school, I really started using poetry to, as an outlet to express my feelings. Um, So I, you know, had poems about boys. Well, uh, you know. These boys part one, these boys part two. Oh, I can't. I love the part two because, you know, that's where it gets real. Listen, and at that time, I didn't know that it was called spoken word poetry. I just I just knew it was poetry. And then I loved doing it. I remember in middle school, I was getting I was getting now I know that it was bullying, but I was getting bullied by other dark skinned kids for being dark skinned, which. But, you know, me being someone with the words, I remember at one point I just got fed up. I was sick of it. And I wrote this like poem and I spit it to him. And I was like, whatever I said, it was like a battle rap poem. Uh, The snaps and the whole nine. Like, (laughs) I wish you would. Yes, I had to tell them off. And they stopped shortly after that with the. the Because you had the words. Hello. So, you know, I've always enjoyed writing. I've always enjoyed performing. I did my first um, like off-Broadway play in fifth grade. My teacher, Miss Glushanik, who I, oh my gosh, I just, side note, I just recently saw her. I went back to my elementary school and I saw my fifth grade teacher and I got to hug her and tell her thank you for encouraging me to audition for this thing back in fifth grade because that's really what started like my professional acting career. That's when I knew after performing with Standing Ovation Theater Company, that's when I knew, like, I wanted to do acting. Shout out to all the teachers out there. The ones that see us and believe in us and hug and love on us when we wasn't even thinking about it. So I appreciate that. That part. And so from there, you know, in during high school, I studied at that time, Frederick Douglass Academy, which is where I went to school in Harlem. They did not have an, a theater program. I hear now they have like a drama program, which is great. But since they didn't back then, I went to Harlem School of the Arts. So I went there for after school and for in the summertime and took acting classes. And then I went to college and did acting. I studied acting at Ithaca College. So I got my BFA in acting with a minor in writing. So again, always the acting in the writing. And then I began my professional acting career once I graduated. Wow. First of all, I love all that you shared and I appreciate, you know, what you shared, you know, in the younger years. And I want to go back to that a bit. How did your family, whomever was in the house, support or challenge you in that early years around your gift and, and skill? Uh, my parents have always been so supportive of what I do. You know, I remember my mother saying, you know, Jaylene, just go over there and sign up, referring to going to Harlem School of the Arts. It's like, just go over there. Just go over there and sign up. It's something you can do for the summer. I was dragging my feet, but then eventually I went, and that was one of the best decisions ever. Every time I had a performance, my parents were there. You know, they were there with the video camera. My dad would have the video (laughs) camera. (laughs) Yeah, the recorder and the video camera. And I know the way you're doing it, it's not the video cameras of today. It has a little heaviness to it. Yes, the big joint. 
which I'm so thankful for because now I still have those tapes and I was just looking at them not too long ago. Oh, that's awesome. That's amazing. But yeah, my parents have always encouraged me. At one point, they thought like, oh, maybe you might study uh, journalism because of the writing. But I realized that, no, I want to be, I want to act. I want to create. I want to do the artistry. And they were always supportive. That's awesome. No, and, you know, not everyone is fortunate enough or blessed enough to have family members that see and support. But it is so amazing to have that, you know, and I think of my kids now, they're 10 and 12. And there are ways that like, I see them beyond who they are. And if only we all could do that, like if we could really see ourselves the way that, you know, our parents or loved ones see us, like that moment when you talk about your mom is like, come on, Jaylene, just go sign up. Like, we already know that you're going to kill this, right? We already know this is who you are. Just call and stop acting like the way you are acting right now and sign up. Right. Like, and because they saw that in you, which I, I think is just awesome. Can you share maybe what you, when you talk about these early poems and spoken word experiences that you have, what sticks out to you is like, after doing that one, I know that this was a gift or skill of mine. Yeah. After, so one of my best friends, Hollis, Hollis Heath, shout out to Hollis. We have That's been- right friend since literally four years old. And so she encouraged me to try out for the Urban Word Slam, slam Urban Word Slam team. And this was in 2005. Up until that point, I had been doing poetry like I had performed it at Harlem School of the Arts. We did like shows and stuff, but I had never competed. And, you know, I didn't know where I stood up against yeah. other poets. I just did this for fun. And so it's an annual slam that still happens to this day. Shout out to Urban Word. Yeah. And it's like over 400 teens in the New York City area compete to get on this six-person slam team. And of course, I was very nervous, but Hollis was like, just do it again. Those people in your life, that's like, right. just go on and do the thing. It's bigging you up, right? It's like, <laughs> look, I see you. Yes. So I'm so grateful for that. So I did that. I made the team. The team then that year, we you after you get on the team, you pe- compete in the Brave New Voices Poetry Slam. And so that year, the slam was in San Francisco. And so we went to the slam and I mean, surrounded by poets from all over. It's an international slam. Most of the people were from the United States, but we still had people like from Leeds and just all over. And it was just beautiful. There were ciphers every night. Like it was incredible to be around so many people doing the thing that I love and performing for all of those poets competing. Our team won first place, which was the first time New York City had ever placed first in that slam. It was, I mean, it's still one of the highlights of my life. Like that, just that energy and being surrounded by all those people, that's when I I learned that like, oh, this is a thing. Like yeah. spoken word poetry is a thing that do that people pursue and that people make a career out of this. And so when I did that, that is when I knew like, okay, so I want to be, I already knew I wanted to be an actress, but I said, oh, I want to be an actress and a poet. Nice. These 
I'm seeing this is my community right here. <laughs> these are my people. These are my people. So I think that was a really pivotal moment. No, I could see it. I could feel it. I, I just I, being in the space like I, like you describing it. Just I could. I just know that that was just awesome. And you know, for me, I, I really love culture and people from different backgrounds. So like, I'm a little bit like curious of like other people doing like the thing from like other countries and other accents. Like, yeah. what was that like? It was great. It was honestly, it was honestly great. You know, and now as as I'm talking about this, I'm realizing I'm going through the same thing now. Like I do, I go to this series called Voices in Power, which is in Philly, but they also have locations in other places and they just launched. They're launching next month in London. And I'm like, I need to get over there. Like, I love to do that because I remember back then, you know, hearing the poets from Leeds and hearing their accents. And it's like, it's different, but it's the same. (laughs) You know, we're all connected through that poetry. We're telling similar but different stories. It was awesome. I would love to hear more international poetry, actually. I think that would be really cool. I'm low-key right now, real curious about international poetry. (laughs) (laughs) I might need to go like a YouTube bet just trying to find some of it. You know, and some of that is like, you know, my family all generations, all of them are Jamaican, right? So like, so there's a part of like this thought of like how you slip in and out. And then like, I grew up around like folks who were from Colombia, Venezuela, Dominican Republic. Like, so that Spanglish, right? That culture mix in like that I saw, right? And then now my daughter and I will practice like different accents just for the fun of it, right? You know, like we're going from British and somehow she got into like a New Zealand accent that she's really good at. So like these thoughts of like how culture shows up through language and personality. And I think that was one of the things that really kind of stood out to me. One, you're just phenomenal. And two, your ability to transition in and out of character, in and out of even dialects, uh, uh, personalities. Like I'm assuming that started with the Barbies, but... When did you kind of realize that that's something that you could do that and do it in such a way and timing that like not a lot of people can do? I think that, uh, yes, definitely during my Barbie phase, during my in the mirror practicing character phase, I realized that I could do little voices and create characters. I also think just being raised in New York City, being raised. So my mom's side. My mom's parents are both from Virgin Islands. So they were born and raised in in the Virgin Islands and then came here. And that's when they had mom and my aunt. So growing up, one, being in New York City. So you're hearing all kinds of accents all the time. And then being, you know, raised with my grandma and my, you know, and my family members, my extended family, where you have this Caribbean accent. It's like. It's almost as if these different dialects were downloaded into my brain. And then so now I get to pull from them. Yeah, like the Latinx accent is like in my head because I went to school in Spanish Harlem, you know, with elementary school. That accent is inside of my head. They thought you was Dominican. I mean, like, come on. (laughs) You know, like the Caribbean accent is, is in my blood. And I, you know, grew up around a lot of Caribbean people. So 
Yeah, that and actually what you said made me remember I studied abroad in Trinidad and Tobago. And so that was amazing in terms of international poetry because I got to be on that scene and I got to learn about rap. So which is essentially, you know, spoken word poetry just in Trinidad. And it was amazing being able to like work with Brother Resistance, making rest in peace. He recently passed, I think, either earlier this year or at the end of last year. But being able to work with these greats within the Rapso community in Trinidad and go to slams in Trinidad and share my, well, not slams, to open mics and share my poetry. It was that cross, you know, connection. It was just amazing and something I really love. And I think all of those experiences helped me to be able to bring forth different characters, different accents, different perspectives. And use that in my work. Uh, And I love it. And, you know, I think it's such a special skill because not everybody can do it. Like sometimes, you know, I've been to these one person stage plays where they might do other characters. And for the most part, you know, they're pretty good and they're transitions and you really believe it's another person. And I've been the ones where it's like, "Mm, not so much. (laughs) It's like, it's still you. Well, so I know it's a skill that takes work and effort and precision and looking at yourself in the mirror. And so I could tell, like, you know, you did so much work. But also, I think what you're saying today that I'm hearing and I fully believe is that you've also been exposed, right? Like you've had lots of exposure to like different people, different accents, different perspectives, different way people interact. And it, and this is maybe my assumption you also probably paid attention to people in, in a way that like, you know, you just didn't just like, yeah, whatever, I'm going to do my own thing, but you observed them and took it in. And I guess I'm wondering, like, do you feel like exposure and paying attention to people have been important to you and in your work? Absolutely. You know, being an actress, it is your job to embody other characters, to embody their people's stories so that you can truthfully tell their story. And so I think, yes, I love watching people. I love when people have all these little idiosyncrasies. Like, I just, I'm just like, wow. Sometimes I'm in my head, like, uh, popcorn. You, right, like, you are a character. Like, I'm listening to what you're saying, but I'm also just yes. in how you're saying it. And I think that, I just think that's so important. As an actor, I think Part of our job is to study people and to study how they move through the world, how they operate, what is their, what do they do with their hands? How do they, where do they hold their weight? You know, like what little ticks do they have? What, you know, some people have a nervous thing that they do and they'll like, you know, and that something so simple as that, you know, that automatically that changes now who you are. Like, I don't usually do that a lot, but if I add that in, that could be just like a little subtlety. Yeah. Oh, and right. This is also a podcast. So what I was doing was scratching behind my ear <laughs> in case you're listening, you know, just doing something as simple as maybe this person, when they are nervous, they scratch behind their ear. And that's something that you bring to that character. That is something that you don't do, but this character does. So yeah, you only get that from watching people and observing. And yeah, I think that's so key and critical. No, I appreciate you doing it. And once again, your ability to observe and to know and then to then let people know who are listening about what you're doing. I love that. (laughs) So, you know, 
it sounds like you've been on this journey from very young age of knowing your creativity, knowing your artistry, and that you've kind of invested in it, sewn into it, really built it up over the years and pursued it. You know, and I know every one's life story, there's challenges and difficulties, and it's not always easy or what we, the gift that we see on stage, they don't know what you might have had to go through <laughs> right before or the week before. And so I'm curious about how did you navigate the challenges that you, throughout your career? Yes. Having a relationship with God is so key for me. That is what brings me through a lot of hard moments, knowing that, you know, God got me and that, you know, I may not understand the path, but I believe that he does and he has a plan for me. And where I'm supposed to be in life is where I'm supposed to be. And if I didn't get this gig, it's, there's a reason. Maybe I was not supposed to get that gig right now. Maybe if had I got that gig, I wouldn't have been able to give my best. Or maybe that was just someone else's opportunity. And that's all right, because mine will come along. So having that spiritual, that faith connection has been vital. My husband is incredible. So. The way that he motivates me, the way that he believes in me, I could not do this the way that I am doing it without him. And so he has been just, yes, I can't do it without him. And then therapy within the past few years, that has been amazing because that gives you the tools. This business, this artistic career, it can be so toxic. You, I'm literally in a business where people won't be telling me no. Like it's filled with constant rejection. You are constantly putting out your best and being told no, or not even being told no, just being essentially ghosted. Yes. (laughs) And you don't find out that you didn't get it until- it's all on the floor. You don't even have the courtesy to say something. Correct, correct. And you don't find out you didn't get the gig until A, too much time has passed, or B, you sitting there casually watching basketball game, and then you like, hold up, hold up, shh, 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 shh. that's the thing I auditioned for. Mm-hmm. Well, guess I didn't get that. That right. literally happened to me the other day. I was like, wait, 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 shh, 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 shh. I know these words, mm. these words. I something went with, huh? You know, and so you have to have you, you, your, your mental health has to be right. Um. <laughs> You got to have the tools. And so my faith, my husband, my therapist, and my just my community, my tribe, my friends and family who have been there, who are there when the times get tough. You know, I have a really great support system of, of friends. And, you know, they get me together when I start feeling down on myself or you know, feeling overwhelmed or like, I can't, you know, this is, this is really challenging. I'm so, you know, upset that I didn't get this or I didn't get that. And it, they just remind me who I am and uh, who I am. And that is, that is key. I think that that is so great. Uh, I love the different compartments, right? Like, so faith, it sounds like that grounds you and that allows you to know it's going to be all right. <laughs> Baby girl, it's going to be all right. And sometimes it, it's hard to feel that or to have that because of the situation, but to really know like, okay, it's all right. And, you know, similar that my faith has helped me through the ups and downs of lots of different uh, things in life. 
uh, and your husband, right? Partnership and connection and someone that believes in you, someone that you can talk to, someone, you know, that's there for you. And of course, I love the therapist part of just really owning that, like our, you know, your mental health, your, your mental wellness is important. And, you know, like I said, not only through the bit of acting that I've been able to do, but also the other places where I've had to audition, you know, people might not realize how much we audition in life, right? And <laughs> not just for a play or an opportunity, right? We audition for a job. We audition for an experience. Like it's constant. And, you know, it always like got to me the start of like, yo, why am I like, I am literally like putting myself out there just for somebody to say no. Like I'm doing a whole bunch. I'm doing the most right now for somebody to possibly tell me no. And then I somehow have to recover from that and not like beat myself up and then go do it again, maybe later that day or tomorrow or the next week and smile at some folks. That takes a lot of internal work. And so I'm glad that you, you know, you're highlighted the therapist. And I think that, you know, just the mental awareness and taking care of your mental is just so important. And so I appreciate you sharing that. And I, I guess I'm curious if, if there's any particular experience you really had to work through as you were dealing with and building your craft or in the midst of your craft. Well, I know that. And you don't got to tell us the deepest, darkest one. You can tell yeah. us. The one that's like, <laughs> whichever is comfortable. Right. You know, I do feel blessed that I don't feel like I have like a big traumatic experience that happened unless I'm literally blocking it out of my mind. <laughs> I can't think of anything that was like, you know, really, really, really like super, super tough in that in that way. I know that there was an audition that I had for a lead. It was my first audition that I did for like a lead role in like a TV show. And it was so many pages of text. So for those that may not be familiar, when you're auditioning, you get what are called sides. And sides are just the pieces of the script that they want you to perform for the audition. And there were just there were so many. It was multiple pages, like 12 pages. And I had to I had to speak in another language for a little bit of it. It's like a language that I am not familiar with at all, at, at all. And so I feel like this was during pandemic times. I don't remember what happened where I couldn't go to, I usually go somewhere to do my self-tapes. I go to a girl and she tapes and a woman and she takes me and reads with me, but I couldn't go to her. I had to do it virtually. So I'm in my house. I've got like the light set up, the camera, but then the computer and the mic and this and that. And we're doing this thing virtually. I worked so hard to like memorize it. And they were scenes that were emotional. So then you're crying and you're, I'm trying to get the thing. And we did so many different takes. It was a lot. It was a lot. And I felt by the time I finished, I felt terrible. Like my head was hurting. It it just it took it out of me. Only for, of course, I did not get said role. Oh, you know, and I didn't even hear back or anything. And it that stung to like do all that. And you don't even 
like get a call back. A call back for those that don't know is basically it's like a second round of your audition. And if you're doing like a network television show or something like that, you could have mm-hmm. have several rounds of callback. But it's always good when they call you back because it's like, all right, you know that they're interested in you. So to do all and not even hear anything back, it was like, dang, that sucks. But, you know, again, I just, every time I'm in those types of situations, it's just like, hey, that one wasn't for me for whatever reason. And it was just practice. You got to use it all as practice. This is helping me to be a stronger actor. Yes, I did all that. Yes, it was taxing. Yes, it literally hurt. Like I had a headache afterwards, but um, it's building up. It's building up my stamina for the next time when I have to do something like that. So yeah. I'm wondering, is that what you hurt on yourself? The moment you find out, I didn't get it, whether you see it on the TV or time has passed or, you know, they just, somehow which they don't often tell you that they've moved on what is it that you tell yourself in those moments yeah i tell myself hey that was not for you that was not for you because i truly believe what is for me nobody's going to be able to take that from me god has shown me time and time again how things just be working (laughs) things just come into my lap and I'm just like, how did we even get here? Like the fact that, you know, I, I, I created a, 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 an Adelco award-winning play that I got to do with some of my best friends that gave us literally thousands of dollars because we've torn it. We, we've toured it all over the country doing college tours. We've done it at major theaters we did all of that all of that came from a random facebook status that i wrote one day all of that came from a social media post you cannot tell me that god doesn't set things yes. i wasn't even thinking about that and and from that facebook status it gave us so much opportunity It was able to provide income for us. It was able to give us experience, exposure, and not just for me, for my friends as well. Like that. So if I don't get something, hey, that was not for me because I'm trusting that my God is going to set up and put me in the places and and have me be surrounded by the people that I need to know to get to where I got to go. So if I don't get it, I tell myself, hey, yes. I may feel, I give myself, you know, the permission, the time to feel that disappointment for a second. Oh, like it, yes, absolutely. Yes, your shirt says, I give myself permission. That's right. I give myself the permission to feel those feels because I'm human. It, yeah. it, it still can hurt. And then, hey, that wasn't for me. On to the next. I love it. And uh, the reason why I was showing my shirt that one of the talks I give is about I give myself permission, right? And how so many times we don't. Mm-hmm. We don't give ourselves permission to say, look, I'm going to keep doing this. Or, you know, and I think about for a lot of folks, and especially I've been in situations where I felt like I gave it my all. I, some of it has been in, even in in the writing process. And like, you know, I've worked on like the opportunities to, to for a book deal 
And you, the proposal, you put a lot of energy and thoughts and all that in it. And then you got to go to an agent, you know, especially if, you know, as a new author in the marketplace, right? You might have to go to an agent and then from the agent to a publisher. And there's a lot of no's along the way, right? And somehow you have to be able to say, God got me, right? If, the, if you're a person of faith, right? To also say, I believe in myself and my talent. And it's not over yet. I'm not going out like this. Now, it might take me a month or two or a day or however long, but to know that I'm still going to come at this, I'm still going to try another time, I'm still going to show up. That is the part that I think is just so incredible when I hear people do that. And I know you've had to do that just because of the, the work that you do, where it's like, all right, I'm going to, I give myself permission to be in my feelings. I'm going to feel it. And today, maybe it's only 30 minutes. Tomorrow might be two days. <laughs> I might need to recover, but I'm going to come out of it and do the thing I need to do. And I think that's just so incredible just seeing people do that. You know, and I, I just think about people's ability to overcome so many things in life. And I think it starts with that. If you're a person of faith, I believe in God. And then two, I believe in myself and I'm going to keep trying, you know, even though I feel like I've been hit and knocked out right now. Mm -hmm. I appreciate all that, you know, you're sharing. And there's a, a few things that I like to ask people, like, as we are in the back half of this one, you know, can you share more about like what you're doing now? What are the things that are occupying your time? What are the things that you're interested in or pursuing? Well, share more about that, please. So currently I am a company member at the Wilma Theater. Their resident acting company is called Hot House. So I'm a member there. What else? I am constantly doing my poetry thing. So, you know, sometimes I may have a college tour performance or I'll do a feature somewhere. So there's that. And also in terms of poetry, just continuing to write. I'm glad you mentioned about the book because I do. One of the things that I have been working on is a children's book. And I went through some of that process of you know, submitting to the literary agents and stuff like that and hearing the no's and hearing why my book doesn't fit the conventional, you know, children's book thing. But I believe in my stories, you know, it's like, I got it. So I got to keep working on that. And then, you know, putting out social media content, sharing my poetry online. Listen, so content creation is a whole- <laughs> A whole nother thing. It's a whole job. And it's yeah. like- Ugh. But anyway, I'm doing some of that. And then also really transitioning to doing more on screen work. So far in my acting career, primarily I have done theater, which I love, but I'm trying to do more on screen things. So recently, you know, I found myself in a recurring co star role as the clerk on Law and Order. Um, nice. Again, something that, you know, God got me because I auditioned for this and it was just supposed to be just doing the clerk once and then they kept bringing me back. And so I've done this. I've done this three times now. So right. that that's a recurring role. Uh, so, you know, I got the same name. I got the same people I'm working with. I recurred. Hello, I'm recovering. So doing that um, next two months in June, I'll. I did a children's show. I was on a children's show as a series regular. And so that will be coming out. So 
I'm sure we'll do, be doing a lot more promo for that soon. Um, and yeah, that, that constantly trying to create more work, trying to be consistent with writing. Yeah. So those are some of the things that I am doing now. That's all great. I love hearing everything that you're doing, the way that you're just, you know, expanding how you show up in the world and make impact and influence people. And yeah, the hard work that comes with it, the pushing past lots of things. And, you know, children's book, uh, you know, my wife wrote a children's book and kind of similar. We ended up like self-publishing it. And then that's mm-hmm. one of opportunities for her. I'm not saying that you need to self-publish is that I just believe in what you're doing, how, whatever way that you go about it. And to see like how, you know, she just recently did like a book reading at a school and just seeing, you know, hearing, you know, young kids just being able to talk. It's called Reflections of Me. Talk about their reflections and talk about the superhero that they are. And so it was just a way to impact kids through children's book. And so I'm glad that you're doing that. And I I look forward to hearing about it (laughs) when it comes out and how you will share that with lots of other people. The other thing I I like to ask is of all the things that you do and like to do, if you had the opportunity to collab, work with someone, who would it be? So I think, I think, I think it's two people. I would love, love, love to work with Tia Maureen and Tamara Maury. I grew up writing about them as my heroes back when I was in elementary school. And so recent, more recently, you know, Tia, Tia used my poem, A Black Girl in Her Braid. She did a, a video to it. So, you know, I was, I would. Wow. So happy when that happened. And then more recently, she created a, um, what you call it, a natural hair care line. And they sent me the, you know, a PR box with the products. And I did a video and I did like a little poem and they posted that. So. It's like I'm kind of working with her. You're getting closer. I'm I'm getting closer. So I would love to actually do something, like actually do something with her. I think that would just be amazing. And then also, I think doing something with Issa Rae would be so cool. She is, for me, she is the definition of representation. You know, when she first was coming out with an awkward black girl, I was like, this, this is me. This is this. You have a dark skinned black woman with short, natural hair. And she, she does these like raps, but I do poetry. Like Mm -hmm. it was like, this is representation for me. And just seeing her success in, you know, with insecure and just all the different things, hooray media, like all the things that she's doing is just really inspiring. So I would love to work with Issa one day. Also, Quinza runs there. I know you said one, but I as yeah, I'm, good. I love them all. Listen, Quinza again, another person who is just like killing the game. Yeah. Like she is acting, she's executive producing for Abbott Elementary. Like I love, I love, love, love what she's doing, and I think she's really funny. Yeah. And I could just see us having a wonderful collaboration. So those are just some of the people. Uh, no, those are great. And, you know, part of what I love hearing what people say, and also, like, I love being able to say, I can't wait. I can't wait till those <laughs> things happen. I can't wait to hear about those stories and those opportunities. And it's not like, number one is almost like a lock. All right, that's done. Let's move on to 
the Tahisa <laughs> and Quinta right now. Like, uh, so I love those, and I see so many different ways from what you have shared and what they're doing and how that could just be, you know, just a really great collab. And, you know, the thing about that is like, I love what you're saying, uh, you know, about how Tia Tamara, like how they were your heroes. And I, get, I just imagine like how, you know, little girls, little boys who look to you, right? And what you have done and the spaces you've been in. And like, once again, the Black Excellence Night was just so dope in the way of showing to these young Black students that, look, there's lots of ways you can show up and you can show up from what the words that you are hearing, or you can show up from the performance and the way she's doing it or both. And it's just all throughout the night. It was just a way of saying, like to celebrate who you are and to know that there's so many different opportunities. So I really, I can't wait. And so I look forward to that. Last two questions I like to add, but before I get to those last two questions, I don't always ask everybody, but I I wonder if there's any few lines of your, uh, a poem that you love that you would love to share. You don't got to do the whole thing. It's not asking you to perform per se, but I would love for people to hear you. Okay. What should I do? And then you're like, I don't just do that. So that's okay too. No, no, no. It's fine. My voice, my choice is like my signature poem. It's what I always do. Like when I do a poetry set, I always start with this poem because I feel like it's a great introduction to me. I'm just trying to figure out what little snippet would be the best. Maybe I'll do this one. Why can't the voice you use with an employer be the same one you use with your husband? Because as a woman, we are conditioned from birth to be meek, taught that the man should have the most strength. So we even make our voices weak because as a black person, we are taught from birth to be non-threatening. So we quiet the bass of the African drum that strums our vocal cords until the silence is deafening because as a female who is black, we are labeled angry black woman. And even when we're not, we get the name even still. So we Kenny G, our Louis Armstrongs until we sound tranquil like or tranquilize the gun, temporarily sedating your true self so you may be easily handled, true self on mute, but this voice matters too. Hands up, don't shoot. This voice has roots in New York City. It's gritty, knows that life is not always pretty, but it is ever beautiful in its boldness, never drowning in self-pity. I love it. Y'all need to hear the full thing. I'm telling you, you need (laughs) to hear and see the full thing. Thank you, Jaylene, for indulging and being willing to do that. And you know, I, I'm curious about what was that writing process for you with that? How did you decide how you were going to tell that story in that particular way? Yeah, I was actually, and I remembered the backstory for this the other day because at the time I was working on a play called White by Pulitzer Prize winning playwright James Imes. Shout out to him. His play is on Broadway now. Nice. But anyway, that's an aside. I was working on that play and uh, we did like a talk back. And I remember our director, who is now my friend, Malika Oyetsiman, was talking about how, you know, we often code switch, especially as black women. And she was saying something I love when she just talks. I just love to hear her talk. And something about what she was saying about the code switching made me be like, yeah, you know, I realized that I do that. My husband would always say to me, like if we're out at a store or something and ask somebody for something, I'll be like, hi, excuse me, can you pass me the, or can you tell me where the, and he'd be like, what are you doing that little baby voice? Um, <laughs> <I do. laughs> like, what is that? 
And so thinking, hearing Malika talk and then why I picked up my makeup tools. Let me put that down. <laughs> um, hearing Malika talk and then remembering what my husband used to say to me, I was like, I want to write a piece about this. So I remember just going to my parents' house. They weren't there at the time. And just I used to do that sometimes because they lived in two places. And so I would go to their house and just when no one was there and just sit and write. I would do like little writer's retreats for my yeah. And so I just sat and I was like, I know that I want to incorporate some type of theatricality into this and bring those two characters. I want those two voices to be present in the poem. Yeah. And I sat down and I was like, I knew that in my play, Renaissance in the Belly of a Killer Whale, we did transitions between scenes doing claps. Mm. And so I was like, well, for this poem, I could do snaps as my transition. Yeah. And I sat and I wrote that piece. I think it was like 2016, maybe. Mm. Um, but that is certainly my poem that I'm most well known for. So many people have resonated with that poem. And because of social media, it's been able to reach millions, literally. That is the clip from that piece is my first piece of work online to hit a million views. And it's like, I'm so grateful for all the things that led to that poem being created because it's really special to me. Thank you for sharing the backstory, especially for those who are creatives, writers, thinkers, like to be able to know, like, you know, before it's in front of you, there is a process and that you went through that. And, you know, I was sitting, I'm like, I need to do everything I can not to jump up out my seat and go down there and say something to this lady because <laughs> what you just did, nobody should be doing that to me when I'm just here to celebrate my little baby right now. <laughs> But it was just, it was awesome. And I appreciate that. And and you sharing a snippet as well as a backstory. Last two questions. What does mental wellness mean for you? Mental wellness to me means that you have the tools to help you when times get tough, when your mental health is challenged. I feel like You have mental wellness. Well, mental wellness to me doesn't mean that nothing ever phases you and that you're just perfect and your mental health is just pristine at all times. No, because that's not reality. That's not being a human. But I think if you have mental wellness, it means that when you do have moments where your mental health is challenged, you have to, you know what tools you can pull from. You know whether you need to do self-talk or you have to do self-care or you have to do deep breaths or you have to just doodle or you have to shut everything off and just watch some really, really trashy reality TV show because that's just going to turn your brain off. You know the things that you need to help you. I think having a toolkit, mental health, mental wellness, is having a toolkit that you can pull from any time to help you navigate, fix, mend whatever problem that you're having. I love it. I love the mental wellness as a mental health toolkit and all the things you just dropped in it just to give people (laughs) some examples. Yes. What mental wellness advice 
would you give to your younger self? And that could be as early as yesterday or any time in the past. Man, you don't have to worry about, you don't have to care so much about what other people think. <laughs> like, I used to be like just so nervous about doing certain things because of what other people are going to say or it that's all right. It's about what you feel. How do you feel about it? How do you is it going to make you happy? Yeah, stop not I would tell my younger self not to worry so much about what other people what other people are saying and doing. And also just tell my younger self embracing Embracing who you are naturally. And when I say that, I'm thinking mostly when it comes to like appearance in terms of like hair and stuff. It took me a while to get there. And I wish, oh, I wish I could reach back and tell little Jaylene, girl, don't even touch that part. Just let it alone. You know, you don't need that. Your hair. It's beautiful. And that's no shade to anybody, you know, uses perms and stuff. It's just that did not do good things for me and my hair. And it was simply it could have been a simple mind switch. I feel like now, thankfully, there's so much online with natural hair care and stuff like that. So little girls are growing up, you know, being proud of their hair. You know, that's also why, I, you know, release my EP about black girl and her braids and black girl and her twists and her locks and her pro and this and celebrating that. Um, but we didn't have that growing up. And I think if I could just tell myself that, hey, what you have on your head is great and it's beautiful and there are so many styles you can do, that would have that would have been great. So yeah, those are some of the things. Oh, I really appreciate that. It, you know, we don't talk enough about the things that connect to how we see ourselves and our self-esteem, our self-worth and hair and appreciating the color of our skin, right? Right. The, that one shade is not better than other or one level of melanin versus another, right? And how we can get stuck on that or because of the messages that are put to us and the negativity, as well as what our hair looks like, especially for young girls of color, in particular young black girls and what they have to experience. And so I hear that and I support that all the way as being <laughs> married to a wonderful black woman and having, you know, a daughter and a son who have been able to explore multiple ways to express themselves through their hair. And it's just, it's really cool. Jaylene, thank you. Thank you so much for being here with me and with Leap uh, here on Leapcast and sharing your experience, your story, who you are. And everybody, please check out Jaylene Clark Owens. Check out her on YouTube. Check out JayleneClarkOwens.com. Support her. Bring her out. Do some stuff with her. It would be amazing. So Jaylene, before we leave, any last words you want to share before we wrap? Yes. If you're out there and you are looking to pursue something, whether it's your artistic career or anything, just, you know, remember that what's for you is for you. Keep doing your thing. Please don't get discouraged. And if you are discouraged, I hope you can reach into that mental wellness toolkit and take out the tool that's going to help you get through that discouragement. 
And yes, if you like the things that you heard and would love to follow me, please do. I am on all the things, you know, Instagram, TikTok, all that. If you just go to my website, jaylenclarkowens.com, you can find all my information there. On June 12th, the show Albie's Elevator will be premiering on WHYY, which is the Philadelphia area's PBS channel and will be on every day, Monday through Friday at 9.30 a.m. for three weeks. And then hopefully, you know, it'll be able to be picked up in other PBS networks around the country. So definitely just look out for Albie's Elevator starting June 12th. June 26th, I will be leading my open mic at the Wilma Theater. I do an open mic based on whatever's on our main stage. And so our next play is going to be Twelfth Night by Shakespeare. And so I'll be hosting an open mic for that on June 26th, Monday at uh, 7 p.m. And then finally, I have not publicly announced this yet, but I will say it here. On Thursday, June 29th, I will be curating and performing in a poetry event at World Cafe Live featuring uh, five poets, myself and four other poets, and we'll each be doing and poetry sets, but it will incorporate multimedia. So you'll have like uh, music or projections or however, whatever other multimedia they want to incorporate into their sets. And so I'm really excited about that. So just stay tuned for that. Stay tuned to my social media. Please join my mailing list which you can do on the contact page on my website. And I look forward to connecting with you all. And thank you so much for having me. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. I love all of those things. I, I need to put down June 29th and make sure that I can make that out. Jaylene, once again, thanks for joining me here on Leapcast and for sharing everything that you did today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Wow. What an incredible ride we just went on with another great member of the Leapcast community. I appreciate you listening and hope you got some tangible value from the episode. Please let us know what you think by leaving a comment, rating, and review. As always, please don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Dr. George James, and I'll see you next time.